You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Saturday morning to everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast. Along with Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Rob, good morning, brother. Hey, Gary. Good morning to you. How you been? Not too bad. Not too bad. Starting the year off, really. A lot of activity. Very exciting. Is that right? I'm, see, I'm glad to hear that. I really am. You know, it was a little bit touchy there for a while. I think a lot of people were a little worried about what was going to happen with the market, the economy and all that. But last couple of weeks, inflation numbers have been coming out, showing it's starting to moderate a bit. Good. Interest rates are coming down a little bit, which is nice. Are they from really? Those, yeah, they've come down over 1% in the last 60 days. So that's really nice from those high levels they were, if you remember, back in November. Weren't they like 7%? Over 7, yeah. almost 7.5. And, and now they're back into the mid-sixes, low sixes, depending on the program. Think it'll get back so, into the fives? That's what they're saying. And that's really what to look forward to this year for home buyers, people refinancing, consolidating, and all that is if this continues, if we keep seeing inflation numbers ticking down, right, going in the right direction, mortgage rates track inflation. So the more we see that, like we're already seeing it. The cues are there. If we can just keep seeing that, it's going to be a super robust housing market this summer and spring for sure. I was, um, you know, my buddy Al Grover. Oh, yeah. Great realtor. Yeah, he is. And he works at Weikert. We were having dinner uh, about two weeks ago. And he actually said something very similar to what you just said. And that's what triggered it. Um, I, was, I was asking him how you know things were going. And he goes, well, Gary, it's January. He says, so this is historically it's not a popular time to buy a home right. he says the inventory isn't there but it's january he says he just was at a seminar and they're feeling pretty good about the spring um when the weather breaks maybe come april always, may always you know they're feeling january, really good about it december january february it's really the only ultra serious people that are in the market right because you're in the Northeast here, you got ice, you got snow to contend with. The weather's not great. So if you're out there at open houses, going to showings, going to things, you're very serious. You have a timeline, right? You have to get out of your lease. You have kids that need to be in schools, whatever it may be. Once we hit the spring, everyone's mind kind of shifts that, okay, well, if I want to move in the next few months or this summer to get the kids into school by the end of, or by the fall, right? We got to move in the next couple of months. So there's always a flurry of activity. The big thing is the inventory. That's what's been holding us back. Yeah, right That's now. what's going to shift though, I think in the spring, I, especially if we keep seeing the rates continue on that downtrend, we might be looking at interest rates on most programs in the fives. And that's going to allow a lot of these sellers that have been very hesitant to list their homes because they're at a two, three, four percent rate. They don't want to go to six or seven. 
But now when it starts coming back down along and we look at the numbers, it's like, oh, okay, well, that payment's not that bad. I I can do this. I can make it happen. So I think that's going to lend itself to a larger amount of inventory coming on the market, but not till the spring, summer. So now's the time to get positioned. And for those refinancing and consolidating, which is the topic of today's show, it's really going to be about timing your appraisal right, timing your valuation right, so you can capture those gains that are going to continue into the you know other months here. So there the are people right now that plan on selling their home. Here we are in, in January. They're planning on selling their home, but they're deliberately, purposely not putting on the market mm-hmm. right now. They're waiting for the warmer months. They're waiting for the warmer months. They're waiting for interest rates. Um, they're waiting for maybe the market to shift a little bit okay. back in their favor. Because as you know, it was a seller's market for so long. Now, because of the time of year, the seasonality factors, maybe they're not going to get as much for their home now. But in a few more months, that influx of buyers comes back in. The interest rates continue. All of a sudden, it's a flurry of activity. They might be able to sell their home for 5 10% more in the spring, summer versus listing it in the middle of the winter, like right now, right? So one of the topics that's really been major, I've been getting a lot of inquiries about lately, has been the consolidation piece, which it lends itself to what we're discussing on the home values and the time of year and the seasonality. Uh, I recently heard a statistic that the credit card debt levels in the United States recently ticked up to their highest levels like since before COVID. So... There's a lot of people out there right now, many listening to this show, that they have a lot of debt. When I say a lot, you know, what I look at it as a lot of debt, seeing thousands of, of consumers over the years, my line in the sand is usually around like eight to $10,000 in credit card debt. So if you're a really high income, like eight or 10 grand in credit card debt may not be a big deal. But if you're like many people only making 40, 50, 60,000, even a $75,000 household income, you're dealing with five figures in credit card debt, like 10,000 plus, that can be a complete devastation to your finances because so much money is going over there. But at the same time, what we're finding is a lot of these same people have a lot of equity built up in their home. They have all this money that's been accumulating in the last couple of years. Maybe they refinanced a couple of years ago. They took advantage of the low rates. Now here we are. Inflation's been going up. All these expenses have been going up. How do you make ends meet? You throw it on the credit card, right? You throw it on these unsecured loans. I mean, it's the easy way to do it. It's the way that the media, everyone tells us to manage our finances, swipe that card. So I know that it's been accumulating a couple thousand, then three, then five, then 10. And it's usually around that five figure mark, depending on the income level that people start going, okay, I can't get out of this myself. This isn't something that I can just pay off in a few months. Like I thought, this isn't something that I can just take that $5,000 bonus I'm going to get later this year and apply and get rid of. But it balloons to where it's significant. And then it's like, how do we get rid of it? 401k loans. Do we tap investments? Where do we have money to get rid of it? And a lot of people don't consider and should be that there's equity in your home that's been accumulating. While you've been out there working your job, your home's been working for you. Whether you see it or not, that home value has been going up, especially in the Northeast and in Connecticut, where we've seen this gradual, steady increase in home values over the last couple of years. That could be that nest egg you've been looking for. That might be the answer. That's what we're going to answer on today's show. Boy, oh boy. I mean, there's there's a lot right there. Credit cards are the necessary evils. There are way too many people who are utilizing 
they're spending money that they don't have. And especially right here in the month of January, because let's face it, right after the holidays, this is when the credit card bill comes in. You know, they were spending money that, you know, because it's they have kids, they've got, I can't not buy presents and, mm-hmm. and things I like that. I always see a big uptick for debt consolidation refinancing or just refinancing right cash out in general around January because, you know, everyone disconnects for the holidays, right? Mm. We've talked about it like Thanksgiving comes along, you disconnect from your finances, you do what you have to do, but you go on your trips, you buy the presents, you do what you need to do. And next thing you know, that credit card has thousands of dollars more on it in January than it did in November, right? So people get that wake up call. Wow, I didn't expect that. What do I do? What are my options? So debt consolidation refinancing. All right. How does it all work? Yeah. So there's so many different debt solutions out there. And a lot of people confuse debt consolidation with debt settlement, debt negotiation and other things. And we'll dive into those and how they're different. But what I really want to focus in on right now and on this show is going to be debt consolidation refinancing. Because when we look at your home and how can you use your home to help you get out of debt, The main way is debt consolidation refinancing, whether that is using a fixed rate mortgage, an adjustable rate mortgage, a home equity line of credit, a home equity loan. Like there's all these instruments you can use that we'll go into. But what debt consolidation refinancing is referring to is a type of loan that will allow you to combine multiple loans into a single loan with a lower interest rate. And the idea is to make it easier for you as a borrower, as a homeowner, make it easier to pay your bills every month because instead of having three, five, 10. I've even seen people with 20 different uh, financial accounts they're dealing with, like credit cards, personal loans, medical bills, student loans, and all that. We take all of that that mess and we just pay it all off and consolidate it. Now you only have one payment every month. Now it's easier to pay that payment. And it's also a lot easier to implement a strategy for paying that loan off because you only have one to deal with. When you're dealing with multitudes, dozens, it's really hard to pay the bill every month let alone like figure out when to pay it. And now to add a financial strategy on top of that, for most people, it's like just way over their head. So the debt consolidation loan can really allow you to do that. And it will also reduce the cost of the debt. And this is somewhere that I want to really dive a little deeper because so many people are probably listening saying, well, how is it going to lower the cost of the debt? My mortgage is at 3%. The mortgages now are six plus. How is this going to help me? But you're you're missing it. You're completely missing the point if that's what you're thinking about because the mortgage isn't your problem. The mortgage is actually the solution. The problem is the credit card and the high interest debt. So let's look at like, your Chase card, your Bank of America, like your Citizens Bank Visa. What are those interest rates right now? Compare that to the going rate on a mortgage. So if that's at 18%, 21, I even had a client the other day, it was at 29.99. Yeah, okay, so 29.99 versus 6% mortgage. I get it. It's hard. You got to disconnect yourself, but start looking at your debt like a portfolio instead of like a single debt one by one and compartmentalize. Yeah, but it. don't don't go back and use your credit cards and max them out again. Well, that's key. That's one of the biggest mistakes people make. And we'll talk about how to avoid that. But as far as the process and how the debt consolidation loan works, you're going to go through a specific process to get that loan, which is going to be similar to getting another mortgage, like an appraisal and checking your credit and underwriting and all that. But the difference is at the end, 
there's going to be a line item of all these proceeds, all this money, all this equity that's going to be released. And that money will either go back to you directly and you'll write checks to pay your credit cards or the way I structure it for most of my clients to avoid temptation, to avoid going right back into debt is we actually have checks cut to each creditor one by one at the closing or at the time of funding, I should say, so that you can't mess it up. The check's already made out to creditor one, two, and three, already in their name, already with the amount, and it's going to be sent out in your behalf. Then you know it's going to be paid to zero, and then there's not that temptation. At least there shouldn't be, but things come up, and there are things that need to be done to ensure that you don't get back into that mess. So it, it actually can help homeowners manage their debt, right, and improve their financial situation? It can, and that's the whole point of debt consolidation. It gets a bad rap, especially from people that did it like a decade or more ago because mortgage loans were different, finance was different, just strategies you can use with this stuff was different back then. But the main way that debt consolidation refinancing could improve your finances is simplifying your payment. Like I mentioned, having only one loan instead of multiple loans. For some people, multiple loans means five accounts. For other people, multiple loans might mean 20 or more accounts, right? So no matter how many accounts that you have, by consolidating, you only have one bill to worry about. The other thing is the lower interest rate overall. So what we want to look at with this is something called a blended interest rate. So we're not just looking at what's your mortgage rate, what's your credit card rate, what's your personal loan rate. We're looking at what is the blended rate altogether. So I have a calculator, a blended interest rate calculator. Any financial uh, advisor or financial expert should have access to a blended interest rate calculator. Basically, you put in all the debts, how much you owe and the interest rate, and you'll find out what your blended rate is, which encompasses all of that stuff in a mathematical equation. Once you find out what that blended rate is, that's the amount that you want to try to save on. So if your blended rate is nine and a half percent and you can refinance and restructure this debt into a mortgage at say six or six and a half percent, there is a tangible benefit there to you on that. I know how difficult that it can be to take a few steps back on your mortgage by refinancing a loan that might be at two, three, four percent into a mortgage that's higher. But what I found is when we actually Take away the emotion from it. Just look at the numbers. I had a client that funded their loan last week who went from a three and a quarter percent rate to a six and a half percent rate. They saved over $800 a month. Do you think they really cared what the rate was? They just wanted to save that $800 a month. Yes, there's going to be opportunities to refinance. Yes, there's going to be ways to bring that cost down long term. But that's not the focus. The focus is how do we improve your finances? So lowering that overall blended rate is a huge way. And like I just mentioned in that story, lower monthly payments, that's probably the number one reason why people do a debt consolidation refinance. All these other benefits are great, But the biggest benefit that hits your wallet, hits your pocketbook, hits your bank account, literally day one of doing a debt consolidation refinance is extra money in your bank account. And on average, it can save, I would say on average, it's around $700 a month. I've seen three, $400 on the low end up to $1,500 or more on the high end. It really depends on how much money you owe, how much debt you have on your mortgage versus credit cards and all that sort of thing. But to save $500 to $1,000 a month, that is really going in what you want to look at as a potential benefit. And if you're listening to this right now and an extra $500 to $1,000, if that area of savings could really catapult you financially to hit some other goals, 
then this may be something that you really want to look into. The problem is that a lot of mortgage professionals, a lot of bankers, a lot of credit union employees that may say they can help you with this, no offense, it's just they're not specialists in this. So they can't help with making sure that you don't get back into debt, keeping you accountable a year, two years, five years from now to make sure this plan works. Most importantly, what happens when the rates come down six months, a year, two years from now? Are they looking out for your best interest to say, hey, by the way, you might want to restructure this loan again. The rates now went from six to four. It's time for us to look at options. That's why having an advisor on this stuff, whether it's me or someone else, just make sure somebody that's seasoned, that's going to look out for you, that's going to have your back, that's going to be looking over your shoulder when you're busy doing all the other things. Um, Improving your credit score, that's a huge benefit. One of the differences between debt consolidation and debt settlement or debt negotiation is that these other programs harm your credit. They really screw your credit up to the point of even a bankruptcy may be almost as bad. So I would say that improving your credit score is key because when we pay these accounts to zero, it actually protects your credit. We're not settling anything. We're not negotiating to pay a lower amount. The account actually gets brought to a zero balance. That catapults your score. I've seen 30 to 50 points typical, 70 plus points if you're paying off like all your debt. I've had multiple clients that have gotten 70 plus points on their credit bureau. Um, And then just parlaying on what I said about cash flow is using the money that you save on the debt consolidation to hit other goals. A lot of people, that's retirement, funding the college kid or college education for your children. Maybe it's helping out a family member that doesn't have it as good as you and you just need an extra few hundred a month to be able to help them. But you can't do that because all your money's going to interest. These are just some ideas of where the debt consolidation can really There's benefit. got to be eligibility requirements, though, I would imagine. Yeah. So as I mentioned, debt consolidation refinancing strategies are going to have some requirements similar to like another mortgage. Um, There are some little creative ways that we can get around some of the guidelines, but others you just have to meet criteria. So one is like credit score. So if you come in and you've paid nothing on time for the last year, your credit score is in the 400s or low 500s, and you're just looking for a lifeline, a debt consolidation refinancing strategy is just simply probably not going to work. You're too far gone for this to work and for this to get you qualified. The average credit scores I've seen on the low end are like in the 580 to 620 range. That's where I've seen people be able to qualify, again, on the very low range for this. You don't want to wait till you're at that to get qualified for this. If you're someone who's in the mid 600s or 700s and you're thinking that might be an issue coming up or you're thinking, wow, a few months from now, I'm not going to have this paid off. What are my options? Start looking at something now today while your credit's intact. Because unfortunately, if you wait till it's too late, and I've had so much of this happen lately where people wait until they're going behind on things or everything's maxed out and then they try to get help. Unfortunately, their credit score will be too low. I had one contact me last week with a credit score of only 521. She had all the criteria to get a debt consolidation loan, except her credit score was 521. Why was it so low? Because she had multiple late payments on her mortgage. All of her credit cards were maxed out. She had some delinquent medical bills. So when you get that far in the hole, it's going to be difficult to impossible to get help. Um, Besides credit score, income is important because we need to show that you can pay this loan back. 
Now, there's a lot of different income types, right? You might be a veteran who gets disability from the VA. You might be uh, someone who's a senior and you're getting Social Security income or disability income. You might have a part-time job or you might get a salary and have a full-time job. There's not any one-size-fits-all for income. I've helped everyone from people just out of college all the way up to seniors that have owned their home for 30-plus years do these debt consolidation refinancing loans. So don't think, oh, I don't have a job. I can't get one of these. There's so many different ways that we can look at it. Employment history or income history, we want to see the last two years where you've been getting your income. If you've been retired, that's okay. If you're out of college, that's okay. We can use your schooling as part of that history. We can use annuities, retirement distributions, investments, dividends, all these things that I know there are banks that have told people, we can't qualify you on this. These people then come to me as a local expert in this area, and I look at it and say, we can't can absolutely use that income. So just because a bank told you no or a credit union told you no or someone a year ago told you this didn't work, get a second opinion. Reach out to my office. We can at least look at a potential second opinion for you to make sure if this is going to be ruled out as an option, like just be 100% certain because something like this could change your finances for life. Last thing is property value. We got to make sure you got enough equity in your home to borrow against so that we can get you this release of the equity to pay off this debt. So those are all the different things that we're looking at. On average, a minimum of 10 to 20% equity, the more the better. But on average, you need a minimum of 10 to 20% equity to use these strategies. Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. You can check them out online real easy, robgw.com. You don't even need to write that down. What you do need to write down is this phone number, 860-413-3938. I'm going to repeat the points of contact more towards the end of the show. But Rob, how does how does the process of applying for a debt consolidation refinancing loan differ from, let's say, the process of applying for a a traditional mortgage. Yeah, so a lot of people that come to me looking to consolidate their debt, they've only gone through a traditional mortgage application before, maybe buying their home, maybe doing a refinance a year or two, a couple years ago. So that's all they know. There's a couple differences. And again, working with that expert, that pro that knows these loans and these strategies is important because they're going to be able to help you guide you through that loan application, make it look right for the underwriters that are ultimately going to approve or deny the loan. So one difference is the purpose of the loan. We have to check off why you're taking the loan. And if you look through all the reasons, one of them, it's usually buried deep in there, but one of them will say debt consolidation. So that's the one you're going to check off. That's the one you want to make sure with your advisor is checked off because that'll tell the underwriter why you're taking this loan. You're not taking it to lower your mortgage rate. You're not taking it to go buy another house. You're taking it to consolidate your debt. So that's one. The credit requirements we were just touching on. You know, depending on your scenario, the equity, sometimes you can get approved for a debt consolidation refinance easier than you would get approved for a home purchase or another type of loan. And again, it just depends on your overall scenario, but I've definitely seen that. Another thing is we're going to be looking very closely at the equity that you have in the home and the collateral, the, the home that you're using to actually support the loan. You do need more equity for a debt consolidation refinance than you typically will need when you're just doing a regular refi and lowering your rate or going 
going from a 15-year to a 30-year or vice versa. You're also going to need more equity in the home than you would normally need when buying a home. Because as we've mm-hmm. talked about, you can buy homes nowadays with as little as 3 to 5% down. You're not going to be able to get a debt consolidation refinance or a debt consolidation loan on your property with as little as 3 to 5% down. If you're a veteran, it's a minimum of 10% equity. And if you're a non-veteran, it's usually going to be around that 20 plus percent equity position that you're going to want to have to be able to tap it. We are sometimes going to need an appraisal on the property. That will be determined at the point of your loan application. We run it through some systems and see whether your property is actually going to require an appraisal. Sometimes it doesn't. So it's like really a 50-50 shot at this point of whether it's going to require that appraisal or not. And the last thing is the interest rate. The interest rate generally on a debt consolidation loan is going to be higher than the interest rate on a regular refi or on a home purchase. And the reason is risk. A debt consolidation loan is a riskier loan than somebody just buying a property that's not taking any money out. And the reason is that you're getting access to a large amount of money. Anytime that there's equity release like that, it's a higher risk to the lender because who knows if you're just going to go whack those credit cards once again and get right. those shot right back up right. and then you might not pay the new mortgage back. That's a risk. Or who knows if you get the money released to you, who says that you're going to go use it to pay off debt? What if you take that 20000 30000 50000 and you take that money and you go on a trip around the world or you go buy something for your kids or someone else, buy your uh, spouse a new diamond ring? Next thing you know, it didn't get used the way it was supposed to. That's why the risk is higher. That's why the interest rates are going to So how do you know which one is best for you then? Yeah, so how do you know what type of loan is best for you on the debt consolidation? Well, you know, first, before we even get into the loan type, I think we also need to look at another elephant in the room, which is the competing programs for debt consolidation. Because usually when people are looking to consolidate their debt, they're looking at it as a solution. There's also debt settlement and there's debt negotiation. That's when the debt just is let go. They let it go delinquent. And then you, with the assistance of an an attorney or a law firm, depending on the state and area you're in, they'll go and negotiate that debt for you. You don't want to confuse the debt settlement or debt negotiation with debt consolidation because they're not going to pay off your debt up front. They're going to wreck your credit. And yeah, you can get another loan, but it's usually a three to five year minimum before your credit will be back to where it should be. Debt consolidation refinancing is the only strategy I know with your debt that actually protects your credit. All the other stuff hurts your credit, ruins your credit in many cases. But debt consolidation refinancing, we zero that debt out right away. It goes to zero at the funding of your loan. That will immediately see you boost those credit scores. So that's huge. As far as the type of loan that you're going to use – While we're looking at your scenario and customizing a strategy, we're going to want to look at the loan term. Should we be doing a 30-year mortgage? But what if you only have 10 years left on your house? Do we really want to go back to 30 years? Maybe we can look at something like a 10-year or a 15-year loan. Super, super popular with debt consolidation are the shorter loan terms because we're saving so much money per month that we can pay your house off quicker. It's that easy. Next thing is monthly payments. Lower payments, higher payments. Where do you want that to put you? Where's your budget at? We need to design the monthly payment around that. Collateral, do we need an appraisal or not? Are you going to make the minimum payment every month on your mortgage? Or is there a unique plan that's been put together to actually put you in a spot where you can pay your home off completely? And then accountability and follow-up. I stay in touch with my clients to keep you accountable. Not everyone does that. But what's the long-term strategy to make sure that not only do we get rid of this debt now, but where are you going to be with your debt a year from now, three years from now, five years from now? Accountability is key. 
I don't have much time left, and there's a few questions that I have. I only have I can probably ask one question. Okay, if I can get a shorter answer from you, there's risks and drawbacks. I would imagine, like yes. anything else. Then you got to take into consideration for debt consolidation refinancing. Yeah, so some of the risks are going to be extending your loan term. If you only have, maybe you've paid five years, 10 years plus into a 30-year mortgage or 20-year mortgage, are we going to bring that to 30 years back? Is that a good strategy for you, extending your term? Falling into more debt. A lot of people, if your budget isn't fixed, you're going to end up right back in debt. Those credit cards are going to end up right back on, you know, with the balance. You do risk losing your collateral. If you don't pay your mortgage back and you've consolidated your debt into your mortgage, your home could be foreclosed on. If you go behind on payments, even a month or two, your credit score is going to tank just like anything else. An interest rate risk. We talked about it earlier. You might be giving up a super low interest rate on your first mortgage rate. But can you save enough money with the consolidation to really make it worthwhile? Those are the risks. All right, folks, if you would like more information on this topic or any other topic that we discuss on this show, simply head on over to robgw.com, robgw.com. By the way, if you would like to email Rob, simply write this down. It's Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com and to make a consultation. Write this phone number down. I know it's the weekend. Give them a call Monday, 860-413-3938, 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Age Podcast. Until next weekend, have a good one, everybody. So long. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.